0: Heart of Grief is a program by Certified Grief Recovery Specialists Lori Penner and Brian McGee. Brian and Lori are not professional counselors. They do not offer therapy. If you are experiencing a crisis, please reach out to your local emergency or health care providers. What Lori and Brian offer in this podcast is an authentic, personal familiarity with the pain of loss and a straightforward approach to recovery that has proven transformative in the lives of thousands of grievers. As proud sponsors of the Grief Recovery Method programs, Martin Brothers Funeral Chapels in Lethbridge, Alberta, are pleased to partner with Brian and Lori to bring you this podcast.
1: We hope our listeners will discover
0: genuine, practical help and encouragement.
1: Welcome back to our listeners, and welcome back to you, Lori. We have made some adjustments in our publication schedule of The Heart of Grief. Our new plan is to provide two regular episodes each month. One that I will do as a solo episode for the first of each month or roundabout there, and then one that you and I will co-host for publishing on the 21st of the month or roundabout there. We're now at the 25th, so a little bit past that. I will then endeavor to publish a Questions of Faith episode on the 31st of the months that have them.
0: Thanks for the update, Brian. It's great to be back. Now for today's episode, let's begin with what may seem like an odd question What causes grief in our life? Today we want to talk about the causes of grief and why it's important to examine this question.
1: Right, and somewhat out of character for our programs. Today, I want to give our listeners a three-point outline, right off the bat here. First, grief is not isolated to death events. Second, unrecognized grief becomes unresolved grief. And third, all grief deserves attention and resolution. So, point one, grief is not isolated to death events. Lori, you and I believe in lifelong learning. You and I regularly participate in workshops and educational programs related in various ways to our work with loss and grief. That was true for you a week or so ago, and something that one of the presenters said struck a chord for you. Would you like to tell us about that?
0: For sure. So last weekend, I was part of an online summit on grief and end of life, since a large part of my work surrounds that topic. One of the presenters was sharing her journey with grief, and I was happy in a way that only someone with a grief recovery background would be, that she was identifying losses in her life beyond only a loss due to a death. I commented in the Zoom chat that I was proud she recognized many other loss events. I mentioned that there are over 40 identified things that we can experience in life that we grieve. This comment was met by a flurry of comments from quite a few of the other 55 attendees. And the common theme was that they never considered anything other than a death as something we would legitimately grieve.
1: Thanks, Laurie. And uh, when you shared that with me, you also suggested that it might be a good topic for one of our programs. I agreed. And so here we are. Sometimes the way we learn to understand things, things very common, actually miss their real meaning. I looked up the word bereavement online, and I found this definition from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Bereavement is the state or fact of being bereaved or deprived of something or someone. Then I looked a little deeper Um, at the history and background of the word bereave. And it said, to bereave is to take away a valued or necessary possession.
0: Interesting. What I noticed there is that there's no mention of death in either definition. Death could be included, but isn't necessary. The primary definition of grief at the Grief Recovery Institute, which we've shared before, puts it like this. Grief is the wide range of emotions resulting from the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. It's the normal, usual response to change of any kind. Again, no specifying of death as the cause. One study identified over 40 grief-producing losses. We did touch on this topic in our very first episode back in July of last year, the grief of change. What society has done Perhaps because death is such a common universally recognized bereavement is to narrow down our idea of grief to be primarily caused by a death.
1: Right. And then also mentioned previously, Laurie, was my conversation with a lady and her daughter at a school concert. This was many years ago. As my wife and I stood in line with this lady and her daughter at the school concert, um, she spoke to us about having moved recently to Lethbridge, where we live, um, and having left her dream home and a uh, very wonderful location where they came from. And it was as a result of a positive career move for her husband. It was clear in the way she spoke about it that there was lingering sadness for her. I think I surprised myself as much as her when I said, it sounds like you're grieving. And that was long before I read the grief recovery handbook or took my certification training with the grief recovery institute. It was simply the way she described her feelings and responses that seemed to cry out, this is grief. Lori, when we do our personal individual grief work, you and I examine the various losses that we've had ourselves. In keeping with our practice of telling our own stories first, why don't we each share a couple of those that were not deaths?
0: Great idea. You get to go first this time, Brian.
1: Okay. Well, for me, there was a favorite toy truck that was lost or more likely stolen when I was three or four years old. Then there was a very difficult family move uh, when I was halfway through grade one. And in addition, in my adult life, there were a couple of very difficult career disappointments. I think the
0: one that really stands out for me was the loss of a job. I was so upset and cried and was really sad. It wasn't until my own journey with grief recovery that I learned that it was a loss of more than my income. My entire life had changed who I was, um, who I was connected with on a daily basis, and that I was grieving I, too, had a move when I was 11 years old, and it deeply impacted me. But I was told farm life would be better, so I just went with it and ignored the real feelings I was having. Those are some of ours, Brian. What are some of the others that people might relate to?
1: Well, an obvious one I think of is divorce. And then there can be significant uh, loss associated with changes in our working circumstances or locations.
0: Absolutely. I also think about a change in health or even a child leaving
1: home. So there's quite a few, actually. And the point here is not to identify the exact number. It's the recognition that grief is the result of many types of loss, losses that are common to our human experience. But, Laurie, our listeners may be wondering why there's any need to point this out. What is our reason?
0: And that's what our second point addresses. Number two, grief unrecognized becomes grief unresolved. Back in December, you recorded an episode focused on unresolved grief. What is unresolved grief as we understand it, Brian?
1: Yes, I did. And so it's like this. When we've had a hard ending or significant change in our lives, we're typically left with disappointments and feelings about things we wished had been different, either in what we did or how things worked out. When those disappointments and regrets are not recognized or addressed, the emotions attached to them continue to impact us negatively, though often subconsciously. Those unresolved matters weigh us down, and they become life limiting. Though we may feel we've forgotten them, we still carry them. And that does have a negative impact on our emotional and relational health. That's unresolved grief. I believe that's what the band mom at the school concert I mentioned earlier was experiencing.
0: So there is the detriment of not recognizing grief stemming from these sources. That lady was weighed down with the sad losses associated with the family move, but didn't recognize it as a grief event. She was left with her sad feelings, but no way of bringing resolution to them. Some of these fall into the category that some call disenfranchised grief, which is losses that we feel others won't be sympathetic to or understanding, or that we don't know how to explain to others. A couple of examples, infertility, pregnancy, a good move, the death of an ex-spouse. I think it's important to mention that graduation and retirement can also fall into disenfranchised grief.
1: And then, Lori, also the losses associated with abortion would fall into the disenfranchised grief category. This is one of the reasons that we promote making a review of our lives in order to identify the various losses we've experienced.
0: And it's important that we explain why we believe this is so helpful.
1: It sure is. And it leads to our final point.
0: Yes, it does. Number three, all grief deserves attention and resolution. Often, Brian, people in our programs feel some resistance to looking at what they think are long-forgotten losses. They wonder if we're promoting the unnecessary digging up of things already taken care of. But that's not it at all.
1: No, it's not. Our view is that if something has been dealt with, then there will be no lingering painful feelings attached to the memories. There'll be sadness, certainly, but not pain. And uh, the difference between sadness and pain is a topic that we address in our episode 19, if folks want to go back and have a little listen to that. If there are lingering painful feelings, we suggest that it has not been really dealt with. Too often, what is meant by it's dealt with is I've pushed it down, away from conscious memory. These are the events we are suggesting that we look at. It's not so much digging them up as it is recognizing their presence under the surface. Rather than deserving to be left to rest, we suggest these grief events deserve to be recognized so they can be resolved. This is true whether the event was yesterday or many years ago. So we're not promoting stirring things
0: up. We're promoting an honest, looking at things that do not involve a death, but do leave us feeling bad. We take the position that each loss is something that, for our own peace of mind and well-being, is meant to be taken through a process of review and resolution. Some of this, of course, does occur naturally for us, but sometimes it requires some assistance or guidance. And that is what the grief recovery method is designed to do.
1: Yes, and of course, we're not able to deliver our program through a podcast. But as always, we'd love to explain it more to our listeners. If this episode has raised some new self-awareness, and you have questions, please reach out to us.
0: Or something to think about today is a question for our listeners. Are there things that have happened in your life that do not include a death, but leave you with continued feelings of sadness and regret? We're suggesting that these be seen, and cared for as grief events.
1: Thanks, Laurie. And then for our something to do, we're recommending some reading. There are a couple of blogs we'd like to suggest uh, that come from the Grief Recovery Institute. First is one by Allison James, and we have a link to both of these, by the way. And for those who may want to dig just a little bit deeper, there's a blog written by Stephen Moeller, That also includes a video clip uh, featuring Cole James and Russell Friedman of the Grief Recovery Institute.
0: There is some good reading and listening there for sure. Our next episode is scheduled to publish on May the 1st. Until next time, thank you for tuning in.
1: As mentioned, we love to receive comments and questions from our listeners. We invite emails to feedback at theheartofgrief.com.
0: If you'd like to send us paper mail, it can go to The Heart of Grief, care of 610 4th Street South, Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, T1J4P3.
1: And of course, you can subscribe through your podcast service provider.